my name is Hawarawan Omarin, and this is my channel, The Place to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and, his, and their kingdom purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever discuss in the Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned, What is Self-Control? However, before we get into any of that, I once again have a tune that some of us might be familiar with. Once again, the subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned, What is Self-Control? When we think of defining or th just thinking about self-control, the first thing we will think of usually is just flipping it, controlling yourself. But of course, on my part especially, putting it a little more in my own words. Self-control is the ability to take instructions that you've been given and go through challenges following those instructions. If we look at various stories in the Bible, we are going to see the ability to use self-control in it. Once you know how to use self-control, you see that all the challenges Satan will push at you, you'll just go through them easily because these challenges that Satan puts at you are not to destroy you. Of, of course, if Satan does want to destroy you, depending on God's decision, he might not allow them. But the temptations that God allows are only so that you can improve your faith, not to destroy it. If we read James chapter 1 from verses 2 to 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. Now, of course, if, especially if we read the King James Version, we can't literally search up self-control and find it because that's a more modern word. However, if we see the word temperance, we should always know that's pretty much self-control. Of course, literally defined, it has to do with immorality and how we control ourselves against the opposite sex or things like that. But we can usually generally understand it as self-control so that it can be applied to children and all those other kinds of people. And in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 and 2 Peter chapter 1 from verses 5 to 11, those are some places where temperance is mentioned along with some other good Christian virtues because the ability to control yourself against what Satan the devil is doing, the scheme or system of things as we call it, is a very important virtue that is required in order for you to keep the faith going all the way to the end to be worthy of inheriting salvation. If you read Matthew chapter 24 and verses 12 and 13 and other places all over the Bible. When St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verses 24 to 27 was talking about the race of salvation, he mentioned temperance because self-control is a very important thing when you're playing sports and of course when you're spiritually running the race of salvation because let's say we're playing soccer we can't just do whatever we want there we can't beat up the referee or kick players or things like that otherwise the referee will just pull up a red card and then we're kicked out of the game for however however much time and of course for other sports and other things generally there are other consequences and the bible has told us that god even though he is a person who exercises loving kindness if we read Isaiah chapter 63 verse 7 and other places, his wrath can abide on people who deliberately sin. 
is deliberately sinning, not only has no more sacrifice for sins, if you read Matthew chapter 12 and verses 31 and 32, Hebrews chapter 10 and from verses 26 to 29, etc., but God will, in order to sort of satisfy himself or those kinds of things, will bring calamity on him because he always gets the last laugh. If you read Proverbs chapter 1 from verses 24 to 30. So for such reasons, it would be very advisable for us to exercise self-control, especially when necessary. Now, the whole reason why we are sinners in the first place, why we have to die and things like that, is because Adam and Eve had failed to exercise self-control. And if we analyze the story, we'll see their ability to use self-control in it and how they've simply failed to do so. In Genesis chapter 2, in verses 16 and 17, that was where God gave Adam and Eve the condition that you have to obey this simple law to eat anything you want. Anything. So they weren't re restricted or anything. Just one tree that they couldn't eat. Some versions even say they couldn't go near it. And simple rule to understand wasn't very complicated and even in these last days when we have a massive bible if we know how to use it we can summarize it into a law simply as obey god and that was the law god gave to them but the main flaw was that satan introduced to them something else something that seemed better a mixture between knowing god and still living eternally but at the same time knowing everything that god knows because According to Satan the devil, in Genesis chapter 3, from verses 1 to 6, Satan suggested them that really God was trying to deprive you of his knowledge, which is why he didn't want you to eat that tree. But if you ate anything of that tree, you'd be as smart as he is. And he didn't want anybody to be as smart as him, because then he would have competitors and stuff. Just completely messed up the thing, which didn't make sense, because of course, they sinned, and are we as smart as God? Obviously not. It was just a trick. And Satan knew it was just a trick. And of course, he was punished for doing such things. But Adam and Eve, because they listened to Satan the devil, God's judgment didn't change. He told them, if you disobey this rule, you are going to surely die. And, well, we surely died. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, thousands of years later, Paul repeated, for the wages of sin is death. However, by God's grace and love for us, he sacrificed his son. If we read Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, 1 John chapter 4, from verses 9 to 11, etc., as a propitiation or a sacrifice for our sins, so we must continue exercising self-control and other important virtues such as that, so that we can inherit the rewards that the ransom sacrifice had given, mainly, of course, the ability to live eternally. Now, thinking a little more deeply, we have to understand various examples, not only in the Bible, but of course in this reality, in our, in our world, on how to use self-control. And I'm going to now name and explain some examples now. Starting with the generality of what we think about food and wine. And the reason why food and wine can be very tempting to overtake, overdose sometimes, is because... When we think of getting drunk, obviously, that's because of people overtaking wine. Or some people getting extremely fat, you know, getting diabetes because they eat too much. Now, this is not a new idea. Sure, diabetes wasn't a disease many people knew about until, like, recently, like in the 1900s or something. But people had known that eating so much was bad, that getting drunk was bad, because people who got drunk did bad things. Women could now do whatever they wanted with men who they managed to get drunk 
We all know the story of Noah and Genesis, how his relatives had had to take him in because he was drunk and stripped himself naked or things like that. We have to understand that being drunk is actually terrible because now we have access to more powerful technology which could cause deaths. So we must understand that self-control is a very important virtue that should be exercised in such cases. So in Proverbs chapter 23 in verses 20 to 21 and 29 to 32, King Solomon had expressed or explained that idea. He understood as long ago as he lived that you guys got to control yourselves with how you look at why. Don't look at the color. Oh, it's yellow. It's red. It's green. Whatever color it is, it doesn't matter. It's not wrong to take wine, of course. I'm not trying to say that at all because Paul in his books had said that taking wine isn't bad. Sometimes it can be a good refreshment. It kind of clears the throat, those kinds of things. But taking more than anything that's necessary or taking more of a dose than anything in this world will end up harming you instead of actually benefiting you. So wine, food, whatever. We should never be glutens. We must always eat just as much as necessary. We pray for daily bread. We pray for the amount that we need. So we shouldn't go eating so much that now our food is now so expensive that it's now comparable to our rent or to all the other bills, the electricity, the hydro, all of those things. No. Food isn't that much of a cost. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 2 and 3, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, those are two places. First in Moses' book, Deuteronomy, and then Jesus Christ repeating what Moses had said, that man shall not live by bread alone. There is a spiritual bread, a spiritual wine, which is a wine that we should be valuing more. So we must never be seeing food and things like that as so special because the spiritual bread, or the knowledge of God, also Jesus Christ personified, if you read John chapter 6 or 51, etc., is what we should be actually hoping for. Because with physical food, you can't survive. But neither can you survive and even have eternal life at all without knowing and feeding yourself, nourishing yourself with what we call the spiritual bread or the spiritual water or the spiritual wine, whatever you want to call it. Then there is having to do with the more immorality. We must never be fooling, flirting, doing all those kinds of things with the opposite sex. If we remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it might teach us a lesson. The reason why those two cities were destroyed at all in the first place was because of immorality. It was because of such sins that they were committing. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, and Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 21, and Matthew chapter 5, from verses 27 to 30, those are three places worthy of reading, helping us to understand that adultery, fornication, sexual harassment, all those kinds of things are not only bad, but they will prevent you from inheriting the kingdom of God because such institutions as marriage were not created for divorce, for all of those kinds of things. They were just created for what God had created them for, which was the marriage bond, replicating something that had already existed in heaven. If we read Jeremiah chapter 31, from verses 31 to 34, talking about the new covenant, those kinds of things, and other places all over the Bible. Then, not only should we be looking at that, of course, but going on to those more specific vices that some of us might not even think about. For example, how we use our tongues is actually so important. Many of us think that what we say is meaningless because, oh, uh, the Bible might suggest that, okay, it's our doings that matter. So maybe we can say whatever rubbish we want and then we just, you know, do what we're supposed to be doing. But this is actually false because our stuff, our confessions are actually supposed to really just justify 
how it works. Not to be completely at the side and then we can say whatever we want, talk rubbish, convince people to do the wrong thing like false prophets and then, you know, just live the life God wants you to live. Because a part of doing what God wants you to do is using your tongue to say meaningful things. You can use what you say to the use of edifying and to minister grace unto the hearers if you read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 or if that's what you're interested in. You could separate families, you can use it to convince people to kill others, to harm others, to steal from others, all those kinds of things. But we don't want to be in that group. And neither should we be interacting with people who are like that because it is possible for us to be influenced. Evil communication corrupts good manners if we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 and also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 telling us never to be a brother or generally interact with people who are fornicators, extortioners, railers, and all those kinds of other things. There are bad deeds, bad virtues that we as Christians should never be taking. Another vice that some of us might think of is wrath. Wrath can be very, very painful to many people sometimes, especially when they accidentally offend somebody. It's not wrong to be angry. The Bible has never said that anger is bad because it's a natural feeling that some of us might feel. Somebody might do something wrong to us and we might feel upset about it. We might feel a little mad about it, but in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 26 and 27, and this is a saying that goes for all generations, all circumstances, never let the sun go down on your wrath. It's very important for us to keep our anger rather steady and just a little bit. We should never make it keep going. Sometimes even our conscience is telling us, oh, let's, you know, stop being angry at such people. But then we just, there's just something, some voice in us that just keeps fueling the anger. We, we want it. Sometimes we're hoping, oh, I just want to feel more angry at this person so that you can make decisions against that person. We should never feel like that. We should be merciful. We should forgive people. In Matthew chapter 18, doing some math, Jesus Christ said that you should be forgiving people 490 times, which is, of course, not a number we should take literally. It's just always forgive. But at the same time, it should never be mistaken that we should punish when necessary. We're not talking about looking for enemies in China or Australia or something. But if you have a kid or something or somebody under your control, it is hating them to not discipline them. And it is loving them to discipline them when necessary because they're going to always thank you for it in the end. Because... Discipline is what brings success. It's how you walk charitably. If you read Romans chapter 14, verse 15, using, of course, the power of your example and the power of your speaking. But, like I discussed before, before self-control can actually come to practice so that you can actually use it to live the life God wants you to, you have to first examine yourself. Self-examination comes before self-regulation and self-control. And the reason is before you can practice Facing challenges, you have to first convince yourself, using the process of self-examination, that such things are even good and worthy of you using your life to do the time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul had stated, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. But if before that, the very basis, foundation that we must lay is our knowledge, and that was why St. Paul was inspired to state in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The only way we can be this is if we take the necessary time to study the word of God and then 
as like the thing that joins what we've learned together, links everything so that it's not 1,000 different subjects that we've all taken time to study using meditation recommended by God in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. And thinking about the Word of God to allow us to sort of deepen our understanding of it, then ask questions when necessary, because the more counselors, the better. If we read Proverbs chapter 24 and verses 5 and 6, we must never trust that what we're already doing is correct because it may likely not be. Being proud is a very big mistake in your word or in your actions that will allow God to make it harder for himself and for you too to, of course, make that bond that he always asks for. We should always feel that what we know is never enough so that when God gives us messages, we always know that what he's telling him is true. We must never lean on to our own understanding. If we read Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and Proverbs chapter 3, from verses 5 to 7. I think it is clear now what self-control is. I must once again emphasize, self-control is such an important thing that the whole reason why we are dying, the reason why we're sinners, and the reasons why people continue to sin is a lack of self-control. Starting with wisdom, we must build it up. Self-examination sort of seals everything as a package we can use to live our lives. But self-control is that necessary tool needed to actually be worthy of salvation. Because even if we can reset all the verses in the Bible, we can preach so eloquently, which isn't such a rare tool. What's so rare is people exercising self-control. And it's not only going to help us in our service of God, but it's going to help us in our lives. The people who are the most successful are people who don't go about smoking, all those kinds of things. They're people who study ac academics. They're people who actually are hardworking and can face challenges and use what they've been taught by their parents, or even better by the Bible, to help strengthen themselves. So that when they go out, they're not acting silly. They're the ones showing other people how to act good. We must always be those kinds of people. We must always show others the power of our example. Because it's how we advertise God. And when people ask us, we sort of convince them or just inform them about the message before God decides whether to actually bring them into the fold or not. If we read John chapter 6, verse 44, it's very important that we keep self-control in our minds because... It's the only way Satan will have no way to influence us out of the race of salvation. I would like to end my topic there on the subject, what is self-control? To close this episode, I will play another tune that, once again, some of us might be familiar with. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you learned something most importantly because self-control is a very important Christian virtue that we can't succeed without. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. 
If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.